aspireplace.com. This podcast is just for you. This is how we make change happen. Welcome to Aspire. Very exciting to be in the studio to talk about how to make change happen. And today on Facebook, I put, feel the fear and do it anyway. I know it's an old adage, but isn't it true? I mean, I have Sharon Mullen in the office with, in the office, in the studio with me tonight. And she talks to us all about how to negotiate our body, mind and spirit uh, around, I don't know, life, making positive change, being human. Indeed. <laughs> All of the above, whatever's needed, but following the body, letting it guide you. I'll tell you what, though, you, that feeling when you know you're about to go into a really important interview and you're getting those bubbles in your belly and you're just like, oh, and it's uh, preparation energy. That's what I'm going to call it. Okay. It's your body going into a space of like, I'm going to make this happen. Um, it's interesting as a Buddhist, there is actually no good reason to feel fear from a Buddhist point of view. Hmm. So someone who was reared in the Catholic Church, that's what they called it, but it was just fear. Um, for me anyway, as an Irish Catholic, there, it was very interesting to see, to be living now the extremes of the two. That, you know, fear kept you honest, fear kept you from whatever scary thing that God was going to do. Uh. <laughs> and to now actually realising, I wonder if I ever need it at all. And then having studied what it does to your body is extraordinary. And it's very, very debilitating. So I'm wondering if we are disguising, or not disguising, what's the word? I'm confusing fear with anticipation, excitement. Right. That if we don't have enough body awareness, that perhaps we don't, can't tell the difference. Right, so a lack of self-connect. Indeed. So if you are fearful in a job interview, I'm actually knowing because of my study and my experience that it's actually not helping you because what if that fear is stopping you from thinking clearly and therefore not presenting your best self? It's also stopping you from holding your body in the best position and therefore not presenting your best self. And some people are very, very perceptive in watching body language and listening for tone and listening for information as well, which of course people would be in an interview as we're using the example. And so there, they're picking up on that. I so really ultimate confidence is being totally present. And if you're totally present, there is no fear. Ah, oh, that is a very Buddhist thing to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can't help it. No, not at all. That's, that's so true. It's, it's how do you find it within yourself to manage the physiological reaction that we have to the unknown? Fantastic question. And so as a therapist, I'm forever trying to bring people from the gross level. Often people come to me with a gross level of fear. So they're actually showing me when they talk about or um, remember or whatever an experience that they're either about to do or have done. And we're recreating it in the, in the environment of the, the therapy room that they, they, they freeze. And so they, I'm having no reaction. Does that mean I don't have any fear? Okay, what do you feel in your body? Nothing. Well, that's numbness. Whereas if I talk, got them to talk about something they love, they wouldn't be feeling anything that they could maybe describe other than, wow, I feel very here and very calm and even a buzz through my body. So there's a difference between numb and feeling nothing because you feel great. 
Right. So again, this whole subtlety of knowing, wow. Because a lot of people who are very, very frightened and live in numb, they're not going to come anywhere near me because they think they're fine. Their body's busy, you know, building disease, growing disease, but they're not feeling that either. So that's the thing is to get to know your body. So working through the gross levels of fear with a therapist, a friend, anybody, it doesn't have to necessarily be with me or if you're able to on your own, but usually not. That's why they're there to the point where it's subtle. Mm. And then the skills that you've learned or read about or from your therapist, then you use them. When it right. shows up right. and you manage it, you know, because unless you have a very spiritual life and you are constantly on your fear until it's gone, most of us are just living a life of it comes in, it goes, it comes in, it goes, if we're managing it or it's just building so constantly. So does it serve any purpose at all? Again, from a, from a physiological perspective, more and more it's showing that it doesn't mm. because it creates disease and it creates malfunction in our cells. What about hyper alertness? And that's that that's hyper alertness or hyper arousal is the extreme of being a very sensitive person. Being very sensitive is a lovely thing to have. So you can pick up on those around you and be sensitive then to your reactions and to them. But being in hyper arousal means you're just in a reactive mode. So you're ah. not there. You're just reacting to whatever's going on around you. I spoke to a relationship therapist the other day and she spoke about are you there? which is being, um, when you speak to your partner, uh, A was for availability, R for responsiveness, and E for engaged. Right. And so when you say reactivity, I think my next thought is, how do you change that reactivity to being responsive? If it's it's a very big deal that you find yourself not being able to stop talking over the person, losing your cool, you know, that, and, or your heart rate is going so full on, your stomach is turning over, that even if you're able to say nothing, you're not listening. Then they're the things you, you've got to work in, work on. I think that in relationships, we not, we've got to realise that our job is to work on us when we're, we've been triggered. Often we want the other person to change their behaviour to calm us down. But it's us that's having the physiological response and only us who knows how strong or how weak it is and therefore need to calm it down. Mm. Um, and, but then once we have to truly listen to somebody, if we're truly listened to in a relationship, there's no need for any therapy. Because I find when I'm truly listened to or I truly listen to someone else, they work it out because mm. they're being heard you know, we talk about holding space and all that. I don't use a lot of that terminology. Um, but just being there long enough to be truly heard is the best therapy you're going to ever get in your whole life because you're getting everything. You're getting love, you're getting care, you know, you're getting... To, to listen, the only job you have as a listener is to listen. Is compassion the antithesis of fear? It's a very, very, very good question. Again, crikey. The Buddhist <laughs> in me went, went like, well, yes. Sure, sure. But, you know, again, please know that because everything that I do is physiological, compassion is still a psychological concept if you are not able to physically be present for somebody. If you are looking at the person who is behaving in a way that is giving you a physiological response and frightening you, then it's very, very hard to be compassionate because you're being affected by their behavior. But if you're able to just really watch and listen and be curious about what's going on for them, then the compassion may actually, as a parent, for me, may actually mean that you have to shout them down, hold them down, pin them down, you know, as well as go, 
nothing. I'm just going to listen, hold their hand. It, it doesn't, compassion isn't all about gentleness, mm. okay? Um, but being able to make a good decision with your mind and your body because you truly care about the person that's in front of you is compassion and then being able to act. So tell me about what you do do. What, what, what work do you do? Because you said earlier that it was physiological. So as a therapist, I thought all of that was psychological. Indeed. So, so the, the, the counselling component, I haven't studied psychology and may I never, but <laughs> I, um, I'm actually thinking of studying occupational therapy now because it brings together um, the body and, and the mind, interestingly enough. So, so the talk therapy element is when I have someone who's, you know, lying in a position where they're tremoring. And what does that mean? Well, we've talked about that lots of times, but it's bringing on the, the, um, the body's natural regulatory system. And so I will use that to say, okay, can you say certain things for me? Like, I really, really hate my job. Now look at what your body does, okay? Now if somebody is very... So I'm being compassionate in that I might get them to... to or I maybe have to behave in a very gentle way, so I have to drop my, my um, energy all the time. But every now and again I have to get very fierce with a client when they're determined to stay stuck in, in the loop, okay? And so my language gets stronger, as in literally I'm swearing, and getting to say, you know, are you, wh why are we here? Are you determined to go around in circles? And, but they've, they absolutely know by the time I've got to that stage that it's all about them. And so it's full eye contact, I may be holding their hand, um, and, and, and I'll get them to say certain things. Like I'm absolutely stuck in this loop and actually I don't know that I really do want to change it. Okay, there we go. And then, and then we're just finding the truth. So, you know, that's another form of compassion for me is to just tell the truth. Mm. Okay. Forgive me. I keep wanting to swear. I'm doing so well. You're doing fantastic. And I'm not going to, so nobody is to sweat. Um, remember, I, I was reared by a woman who didn't want me to swear and it's still there. You get that filter come over you and you just know. But it just, <laughs> I get very passionate about it. And as a therapist, I am. I'm not scared to be very compassionate and be very fierce with a client who's been brave enough to come to me and say, I'm stuck. Mm. Well, I'm not doing my job if I don't help them physiologically become unstuck. And that sometimes means that they have to tell the truth. I am talking to the awesome and fabulous Sharon Mullen, who is a trauma therapist, talking about the fear of love mm -hmm. and what are we going to do about it? How could anyone fear love? Even though I spent my entire 20s trying to... <laughs> <laughs> trying to um, protect Not. myself from yes. it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. What do you think physiologically your body's doing when it's trying to, trying to protect the heart? It's a very interesting thing, what is love? It's whatever you've experienced as a young child. So, you know, it's interesting that some people think love is to be hit is to be shouted at. That's what love is. So we're introduced to love very much er early on. But it is that opposite of fear. It is the protection. It is the safety. Um, it's, it's just feeling, being able to absolutely be yourself. And of course, what does that mean? Love is something that... And I don't know that, at, in all fairness, in my life, nearly 48 years of age, that other than my, from my children... I've fully experienced what it like, it's like to feel loved. So it wouldn't necessarily say I'm an expert on it, but I do know that it's certainly in our Western world, it's something that we're absolutely struggling with because of how many of us start our lives. Totally agree. So, so you know, I, why would I be an expert? I don't even know that there are 
many people who, who have fully experienced it regularly enough to know. And often we describe it as it's not that. But then as a therapist, and particularly in the relaxation classes, when I communally say to people, okay, think of your children or think of that memory or whatever it is, and often it is people's children, and their tremor either stops or turns into a hum. Mm. And it's, it's reminding us, here we go, just from a physiological point of view, that there's no tension in the body in that circumstance. Okay, so it's a lack of tension. It's a lack of fear. It's the ability to offer our body to, to, and our mind to function fully. Okay, so what does that mean? You know, so it's, an inter- it's a very, very interesting question. But our fear of love is often because we associate it with heart. Mm. It's actually not that we fear love. It's just how love was introduced to us and repeated as trauma does. It repeats its pattern until it gets a different outcome. Um, that that's what we perceive it as, as, as is that there's, there's hurt involved. And so for us, love is, for some people, it's um, someone who pays the bills, someone who does the washing up, so, and to, to some people, it's not to be hit. Mm. You know, I have a South, Af- South African friend who said her other friends, when they were growing up, her girlfriends would say, I just want to get someone who doesn't hit me. How fabulous is that? You know, so uh, I never thought that would happen to me, and it did. And um, because I thought I've done that, I've done that with the with the folks. But you know, more and more, I'm getting an idea of what it is I want, and therefore that's what I'll get. But mostly, I spent my life working away from what I didn't want, and that's okay. Right, it doesn't matter because some people do that. Some people, depending on the goal or whatever it is, they work towards it or away from what they don't want, and that's fine as long as it's movement. <laughs> and so the and, and even in that, what's love? The ability to move, the ability to move in any direction that you want to. And if we talk about it from a sexual point of view, an orgasm is supposed to be the ultimate in letting go. Well, I don't know many people who know that experience. Hmm. Usually they tighten, you know? So we have a lot of <gasps> opposites going on yeah. to what we perceive love to be. And why wouldn't we? Because we've not had the experience. Um, Do you think that comes down to uh, us living in a civilised, well, apparently civilised society? where uh, community is turned into something that is more isolating than, you, you know, that kind of um, that commune style of community <laughs> where everyone eats together and everyone talks together and everyone plays together. Absolutely. And then so we've turned into these suburban blocks where we close the curtains and there's your family lot and this is the only love that you know because there's no other experience of it outside the family unit. Yes, indeed. But it's interesting that literally we are living in a safer time than we ever have. There's, you know, everything points to that. Let's see that Donald does his best to try and stop that. <laughs> but we, we, I think, in fact, it'll, it'll help us, having seen that experience, we'll continue mm. in this wanting to make the, the world a better place. I think that it's particularly living here in Lismore that I'm noticing that actually it's much easier to share your concerns here. Um, I grew up in a country where our society had broken down so badly that domestic violence was absolutely off the Richter scale. Incest, rape, all sorts of dreadful drinking, alcoholism and drugs came in as well. Real, real absolute mess. I know there's a lot, an awful lot better now. But even though it's safer, I think that what brings true safety is for people to not fear your bad day. To not fear your fear. 
But because we're all so traumatized that bless, we'd probably like to be there for the other person, but they trigger us so we can't and all this stuff that goes around. So my great um, goal, so to speak, is to lose every bit of the fear out of my body so that I can not be reacting and therefore not part of the problem. So being present and mindful, managing our physiological self so we understand our breath and we understand that our palms are sweating and our we're observing it and being kind to it means that we're more chance of experiencing love that's what i heard you just say. yes and i'm thinking <laughs> wow that's very impressive well done alex that's on fire oh it sounds great it's, i want to sign up where do is, i sign up like this is amazing yeah, i, yeah. I want to live a life of love and mindfulness yeah. and and experience, you know, my body and experience that self-connect. Absolutely. And I had a lady who's been coming now to me. I must work it out because it was such a treat the other day when she said to me, and I think it's six or nine months that she's been coming to classes and it wouldn't be every week. And she was very, very honest when she arrived at how completely pent up she was and had a, an absolute acceptance that she was odd, difficult, this is the way it was. And mm. I, you know, I, I love that about myself, that it doesn't matter who walks into my company. Um, it's a great um, side effect of having been so mistreated as a child. Your parents don't like you. You learn to not worry about what people think of you. So um, anybody who comes into my company is loved 100%, unless within seconds I realise that they're not safe. But it's been a very long time since that happened. Um, and so this woman was fully accepted by me. I didn't see her as odd. But she said the other day at the end of class, she has the first time I felt joy. Wow. So she's broken down a tension pattern in her body enough to actually have felt a buzz go through her that she'd recognised as joy. And that was just a magic moment. And she didn't burst into tears. It was more, oh, hello. I wonder mm. where you'd gone. Mm. And that was, that's extraordinary. Mm. That's, you know, you're in the right job, Shaz, keep going. <laughs> it, it, isn't, it really isn't like, a, you know, a, a, anything towards m me personally because it's a group situation mm. yes I provided blah blah but it's it's really really lovely to actually have someone experience something and that's what I love about somebody ever telling me they feel very relaxed or joyous or anything is going now lock that in the way you, you lived before you came to see me is not a life sentence you actually can start to feel some joy and of course now it's addictive you want some more mm. great Mm. So you're going to keep coming back and keep looking for it. And then saying to me just what you did is today I looked at someone in the eye and I was present and watching my breath and being very mindful and I felt that joy again because I connected to that person and I felt a great love for them. Mm. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think it's part of that I wonder what's going on for you as well, that curiosity. Um, but if there is anything left, so often when we say, oh, that person makes me feel blah, blah, blah. No, actually, that making feeling was already in there and they found it. And so if it's not there, then you can't find it. Right. You I know? think my sister knows all those points. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Big, big call out to Claudia tonight. <laughs> Love you lots, darling. And they're the great challenge. They're the great, the, the ones that we learn from. I mean, you know, there's experiences in my life. There's, there's very few people now that trigger me. But wh when they do, it, it fascinates me that now at this level of, of my life, they find the really deep, mm. nasty stuff that's left. Right. And it knocks the absolute crap out of me. Yeah, but like... But I've got the skills. Imagine that just being, you know, every now and then in a way that keeps you on your toes rather than 24-7 of walking around 
the planet with your fists up going, come on, just try me. Oh, for sure. But, you know, I'm okay with not having to be kept on my toes. <laughs> I really am. I don't want sure. this anymore. It's, not way, it's no way to live. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not fun. It's not fun to be triggered. I don't enjoy it. Um, and it, it, because for me now, I'm dealing with the really nasty stuff. And so I don't want to, I don't, I can't say, oh, yeah, I've got the skills. I love it. But that's the thing that I, what makes me a good therapist is that I do say to people, this is not necessarily going to be fun. But how do you let it go if you don't go through it? Like, do, Oh, is I it, have to go through it. Is There's it necessary no... for people to go through what they've held in their bodies to let it go? Absolutely. I think that we have to bear witness to the release. Mm. Um, but if it's done very, very slowly, then it doesn't have to be dreadfully painful. And then, yes, there are times... Like, I have the skills to get through this, through all the times that have been, been dreadful, but they aren't fun. And I have to even remind myself... <gasps> Far out. But it makes me a better therapist because I do think, oh, well, I can't. I've lived it. Yeah. I can't look them in the eye. Go, it'll be painless. It'll be fun. Don't worry. No, it won't. But it doesn't, you know, depends on the history that they're bringing out. Um, but it, it, like everything, like you said before, if you use your breath and you stay mindful and you use your skills, everything passes. And I always say to people, it wants out as much as you want it out. Mm. Um, so the more that we work on our own stress and trauma, we work on our own fears, then we have the maturity, which I think is a great word to use in this case, to say, oh, okay, I'm not fearful, therefore I can be curious. Now, I can maturely look at your behaviour and think, this is not okay. I don't think it's great to say this is not you. I think people change all the time. Mm. Uh, Stephen Bildoff is a great guy, Australian therapist, who said even if you're in a relationship for a very long time, when somebody's out of your company, it's important to treat them like a stranger somewhat when they come back in because you don't know what they've seen or heard or whatever to allow for the fact that they may have changed. Um, but, you know, if you're curious enough to think, wow, they're raising their voice to me, they're talking, um, using words I don't like, and then we think about boundaries. So my boundaries now have, have been breached. I don't like it. And that's when we use that maturity to say, I don't want you to talk to me like that. We use our I statements till the cows come home because otherwise, as soon as we use you, we've just handed them mm. a match to light the flame mm. and they can defend it. Mm. But if you talk to, for yourself and say, I'm not liking what's going on in my body while I'm listening to this, I'm going to have to calm me down. I don't like it. I'm having a massive reaction to what you're saying. And it doesn't have to be namby-pamby. Wow. That was so great to hear from Sharon Mullen. And you can find out more about her, www. Sharon Mullen, M-U-L-L-A-N.com.au. Catch you next time for another podcast of Aspire Post. AspirePost.com.